so many things, an entrepreneur, a public speaker, translation copier, and a lifestyle writer. But at my very core, I am a Tibetan. But if you ask me what Tibet, its people, and the culture is like, then I must honestly say that I have never been to Tibet. And I'm sure I'm not the only one. If you've never been to Tibet either, then this podcast is for you. Here, we're going to discuss everything about the roof of the world, from its unique culture, language, history, religion, food, music, folklore, and mysticism. On this podcast, we will also be joined by guests who know Tibet in their own unique ways, so that every time you tune in, you feel like you are bit by bit waking up closer to Tibet. There are certain things that you just can't describe. You know what I mean, right? I'm sure you've had situations where you've completely run out of words. And if you're listening to me right now, I have to be very honest. I am currently running out of words. Words to describe my homeland, Tibet. Hmm. All right. Where should I begin? Even though I've never been to Tibet myself, I feel like Tibet is not a place or an emotion, but a state of being. At least that is what I know from the experiences of people who've either lived in Tibet or been to Tibet. My grandparents, for example, lived in Tibet and they settled as refugees in India. So I heard a lot of these stories about Tibet. But truth be told, there is still so much that I don't know about Tibet. That's the thing. Tibet is as mysterious as it is beautiful. With an elevation of approximately 14,370 feet above sea level, this Himalayan civilization was completely untouched by the outside world until foreign eyes laid on it. Tibet remained isolated from the rest of the world for a very long span of time, primarily because of two reasons. Number one, um, because of its geographical location, and number two, disinterest of its people. In fact, you might have heard about this book. It is the autobiographical travel book by mountaineer Henrik Harr, Seven Years in Tibet. Uh, Seven Years in Tibet, this book was um, a motion picture as well. Uh, and in this book, uh, Henrik Harr mentions how Tibetans were so happy in themselves that they took little or no interest to venture out into other territories. And I believe it is for this reason it remained so mysterious to the rest of the world. Along with other holy mountains, such as Mount Kailash, 
uh, the Mount Everest, which is the highest peak in the world, is in Tibet. These mountains they protected the civilization from the harsh weather, and we know how the weather of Tibet is. It is truly astonishing how Tibetans can survive in in such a climate. Because when I asked Nima, an exiled Tibetan, aged seventy, who'd lived in Tibet, to share her experience of the weather in Tibet, she replied. Oh yes, the weather was tough, but we were used to it. It was dry and arid there. Our cheeks would be so dark red because of the scorching Himalayan sun.、Uh, we would eat the traditional tsampa balls made with yak milk, yak butter, sugar, and barley. That would keep us warm. It was perfect for the weather. And if it were unbearably cold, I would vouch for chung. Chung is traditional Tibetan barley beer. So this is the description that Nima gave me about her experience of the weather in Tibet and how she was coping with that harsh climate. Now, tsampa is a very traditional Tibetan thing to eat because、uh, back in Tibet,、uh, you know, yak milk, yak butter, meat. All of these things—they would really keep a person warm and really help Tibetans to survive in in such a climate. Tibetan genetics thrive in this type of altitude, but not all of Tibet has this kind of climate. Not all of Tibet has an extreme climate. Historically, Tibet had three provinces:、uh, that was Yuzhong, Amdo, and Kham. Now, Yuzhong is a highland where it is the coldest. And Lhasa is its capital city. Lhasa is also known as God City, right? La is actually God in Tibetan, and Sa is a land, so God City. And、um, this is also the place where the Great Batala Palace is located. You may know a little bit about Batala Palace because of the kind of、uh, significance it has for Tibetan people.、Uh, it was once the palace of His Holiness the Fourteenth Dalai Lama. Then,、uh, apart from Yuzhong, there are two comparatively lowlands like Kham and Amdo, where the weather isn't as extreme.、Um, both Kham and Amdo they consist of both、uh, pasteurized and dry regions.、Uh, Tibet in general has a very rich culture, and the culture of each of these provinces—that is, Yuzhong, Amdo, and Kham—add to the beauty of it. Right now. As I describe the astounding beauty and culture of my homeland, I feel like I'm being transported there, and who wouldn't feel the same, right? Now, after the Chinese occupation of Tibet in 1959, Tibetan refugees live in India and around the world. With the youth embracing modernization, the elderly population fears dilution of the culture. And just like any other culture, our culture has also gone through a whole lot of evolution over the course of the years. Where the Tibetan refugees choose to live changes their lifestyle. It's quite obvious, right? Tibetans living in India have a very different lifestyle in comparison to that of Tibetans living in the U.S., Canada, or Europe, or any other part of the world. Whether it is in terms of our clothing, food. Language or entertainment or any kind of preferences, they change from region to region. 
For example, because His Holiness the 14th Dalai Lama has lived so many years in India, he says that he literally loves dal and roti as much as he loves Tibetan food. If you ever happen to see any Tibetan in India, you will notice that through the bustling vegetable markets, we also, we also, by the way, bargain for free coriander after buying vegetables. That's true. We have also aced remembering the names of every nook and corner of the city or town. And believe me, at our Indian friend's wedding, we also danced to the beat of Bollywood songs with equal enthusiasm. The Indian culture has undoubtedly influenced us. In contrast, Tibetans living in USA, Canada, Europe, uh, they have a slightly stronger Western influence on our culture. For example, many young Tibetan couples in US or Canada would get married in the church apart from our own traditional way or customs. Generally, generally, Tibetans prefer living with their parents, irrespective of their age, but due to Western influence, many Tibetans in the US, Canada, and Europe live separately from their parents after they turn 18. Therefore, changing the culture and the way of life. But no matter where we are, and how the region alters our lifestyle. At the end, at the core, we believe in practicing compassion and kindness and really walk on the path that Buddha preached. Buddhism is central to our culture. I know, I know that I'm painting a generic picture when I say that us Tibetans, we value peace and happiness more than financial gains, that we are extremely hardworking in whatever we do. But at the end of the day, we always wrap up with a sense of contentment. It is almost very rare to see Tibetans not smile. I've never seen that myself. I've always observed that our nature is very jovial and we're also, at the same time, very self-aware. We, as a Tibetan culture, we have our own distinct language, tradition, history, art, food, clothing, music, astrology, and medicine. Perhaps we'll be exploring all of these aspects one by one moving forward. And most importantly, on this podcast, I don't mean to negate the generalities, the stereotypes that already exist. The question isn't so much about the who and the what of Tibetan culture. It's more about the how, you know. How do we become who we are today? And what can we do to better our future? Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I genuinely want to thank you for being here, for taking interest in Tibet and my culture. With listeners like you, there is hope that our culture will survive. Thank you so much. If you liked this episode, then please give me a shout out by mentioning me in your Instagram stories and posts. My Instagram handle is tenzin.chidun.24. That is T-E-N-Z-I-N dot C-H-O-D-O-N dot 24. You can also DM me if you have any questions. To stay updated about waking up closer to Tibet, don't forget to follow at HD Smartcast on Facebook, Twitter, 
LinkedIn, and Instagram. To listen to more podcasts, log on to hdsmartcast.com or suno ne nazariye se. This was an HD Smartcast original. HD Smartcast.